good luck with the welcome back to the girls gone wild podcast thank you guys so much for listening and supporting us remember that we are relaunching the girls gone wild podcast so if you haven't subscribed to the feed please do and we are also relaunching slash doing another season of on your marks get set bake go to that podcast subscribe there we'll have all the new episodes for this season of the british bake-off and this is joy and claire so how did that happen we all of a sudden have three podcasts going i don't know but please subscribe to all of those podcasts and share with a friend if they have not resubscribed to girls gone wild podcast give them a reminder that we're back. This week on the show, we welcome Alethea Boone. Alethea Boone started her competitive career as an athlete in gymnastics, and she competed. She competed at the Commonwealth Games. She moved on to the CrossFit Games, where she's been very successful in that career. We talk all about her journey from gymnastics to CrossFit and what she plans for the future. She's such a lovely down-to-earth person. Claire and I always like to talk to those types of people. Maybe it's just because we are those types of people, and I love her spirit. She's so genuine. She gives some great advice, and I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Here we go with Alethea Boone. All right, so let's get started. Tell me and tell our listeners about you in whatever way that means. No, it doesn't have to be specific to you as an athlete. Like, who are you today? Well, who am I today? I guess it cultivates from the past, right? (laughs) So my name's Alethea Boone. I was born in Suva, Fiji. I moved to New Zealand with my single mum, very young age, three months. And I grew up in New Zealand. I um, took up gymnastics at the age of eight and ended up competing for New Zealand for many years and went to college gymnastics. And then through that, I found my love of sport. I ended up retiring at the age of 24 after graduating from college. And then I encountered a bit of a health issue, had some health issues, which meant I was unable to do any sort of sport for a wee while. And then cue Google, um, a different way to get fit. I found CrossFit and ended up taking on the CrossFit world, which I never thought I would ever compete again after CrossFit, um, after gymnastics. After gymnastics, yeah. So, okay, so I always like to, Claire and I have been doing this podcast for a long time, and whenever people talk about their CrossFit journey and kind of how they started into CrossFit, I particularly like your story that for someone who had such a healthy competitive background, you competed in gymnastics, you went to the Commonwealth Games, like you had a roster of competition behind you, but yet you walked into CrossFit and you left, like when you got there. Yes. (laughs) What was it about CrossFit that after all the years of competing and being a physical badass that you walked in and you were like, this is not for me? Was it the newness? What was it? Yeah, it's anytime you start something new, there's that fear, right? And then when I walked in, I saw all these jacked people just throwing weights around and like yelling at each other to, you know, cheer each other up. But there must have been like a back squat PR session going on, I swear. But yeah, when I saw that, I was so intimidated. Everyone looked fit. Everyone looked strong. Everyone looked like they belonged. I didn't feel that way at all. I felt timid. I I was uh, going into this whole thing a little bit broken as a gymnast. Uh, My body went through the ringer. I didn't want to do anything that would hurt myself. When I saw that, I thought, oh, no, this isn't for me. It's too scary. So, yeah, I, I walked out. And that's when I got on the phone to my partner. I was like, this looks scary. It looks too hard. I don't think I want to do it. 
He turned around and said, walk in. You're not one to shy away. And I'm so glad that I did. Because when I walked in, the coach actually saw me and straight away came over and just started talking. Not about fitness, about anything else, just about my day and how everything was going. Yeah, just that making you warmth, feel comfortable. Exactly. That warmth is what, you know, drew me in. Mm-hmm. And I hear that a lot from the right CrossFit gyms is when you walk in and you are greeted by someone and it makes such a difference. It makes the world of difference. Um, I know now, like... If I felt that way going in with so much experience in sport and fitness, how else are these people who are trying to make a change in their life supposed to feel? So I am always the first one to see if there's someone new, I'm beelining to them and just having a conversation. It made the difference for me. So I know I'm hoping it'll have to make a difference for someone else. Yeah, I think we underestimate that. I think if I was to walk in a gym and you were there working out, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be the one work, walking away. <laughs> I mean, oh, but no. it is, it's like, we don't it's have true. a professional athlete especially it's so cool that you're the one that goes up to people and says hello because I think that's just it can be so intimidating even though I think we've come a long way trying to make CrossFit a more inclusive space and make places more welcoming I think that's just really cool let me back up really quick to what were you like as a kid like how would your family describe you as a kid as a young little girl the young the young the young AB Um, yeah the young AB (laughs) Um, I was very determined. Uh, actually, my story with gymnastics was I was watching on television a girl called Nikki Jenkins win gold at the Commonwealth Games. And I think I was six years old and I told my mum, I want to do that. I want to go to the Commonwealth Games and do that. And um, she took me to a gym two years later. We couldn't afford to go straight away, but once we could, she took me to a gym and that in mind, that was still my goal. And you know, we managed to make that happen relatively quickly. So for me, it was if I saw something I wanted to do and I verbalize it, I would do it. And the funny thing is, it's the same thing now. If I say it, verbalize it, write it down, I'm going to do it. So that was how old when you saw the gymnast? I was gymnast? six years old. You were six. What mm-hmm. do, you, do you remember what your mom said when you told her that? Yeah, absolutely. She said, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I want to do that. And um yeah, we still remember to this day the fact that when I actually made it to the Commonwealth Games at the age of 14, she's like, you did it. That's amazing. That's really amazing. You were very determined as a kid. Did you play any other sports? Did you do anything else other than gymnastics? Not so much. I mean, when you're young in New Zealand, you play outside all the time, you know, just always outdoors. Uh, I didn't really play too many other sports. It was once I found gymnastics because I had that goal in mind, I fully committed to it. Yeah, and I imagine that's all your time from what I know about gymnastics, which is very little, but I do know that you can yeah. be just committed and that is your life. Yeah, because it's so precision perfect and you have to master so many skills and pre- you have to master so many progressions in order to get the skills. It's a lot of time in the gym. I mean, eight years old, you're training 12 hours, 10 years old, that goes up. And by the time you're like 14, you're training 32 to 40 hours a week. That's a lot. That is a lot. And as a youngster, so as a youngster, I mean, what you said, so then that would be eight years old that you started gymnastics? Eight years old, I started. Yep. And how many hours a week were you then? I remember going three days a week then. It would be at least two hours a week. And then we got identified into the, um, the elite training program quite early. And it got bumped up to 12 hours a week pretty quickly. Yeah. So that work ethic, do you remember anything like about doing schoolwork and doing gymnastics and like just kind of having that 
be your life day in and day out? I mean, were like, were you just at the gym 24 <laughs> seven? I wish I could have been at the gym 24 seven. I swear for me, it was like school kind of got in the way. Yeah. <laughs> you like- had to do it, but um, yeah, I just loved being in the gym. And you still do. So fast forward, do. you go to college at Brigham Young University in Utah and you compete at the college level. What did you enjoy about competing at the college level versus, you know, before when you were doing what, like clubs or what were you doing for competition? Yeah, so a lot of it was club gymnastics. And, you know, we would compete maybe once every three or four months. It wasn't that frequent. And you don't get to compete against the high caliber gymnasts very often, whereas college gymnastics was you compete week in and week out and you have to be on your game and on point um, pretty quickly you know and I think for me and during college I learned how to actually have fun with the process whereas when you're slogging it away in club gymnastics you think you can't really see the bigger picture especially when you're that young you just think okay today I'm here I'm doing it why am I doing it and then when you actually compete you actually get to realize that but you don't get to realize it as frequently as in college gymnastics Mm -hmm. in college gymnastics you know that's where I really actually learned how to juggle everything to be a more well-rounded athlete as opposed to just putting my one focus in gymnastics and I think that that mental development that happened really really helped me what do you mean by that a more well-rounded athlete in gymnastics so I guess growing up you put so much focus on your elite competition I mean to make the next training squad to make the next international meet you kind of lose sight of this the wins that you have along the way and whereas in college, you know, it's acknowledged. You get the mark of seeing how you're doing each week. You get to compete against your like your team. Although you're a team, you're still trying to fight for a spot every week. And that progress, you kind of fall in love with the process of just working and seeing the goal come to fruition each week. I don't know. And then balancing it with study, balancing it with social life as well. I think it made it made me more of a healthier athlete in the gym, knowing that I could push hard in the gym, but still enjoy everyday life. We often talk about, I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of workload to take on. And I'm a mental health therapist by, by day. Mm-hmm. And we often talk about mental health and, you know, working out, fitness, eating. And I think that we fail to talk about mental health in that just discussion were there ever times where you just felt really mentally depleted and if you did you know what was your way of getting out of that you know to be quite honest during the gymnastics years I think I was quite mentally depleted trying to be on point every single day I didn't really learn how to handle that until I went into CrossFit I think it's when you learn a bit of mental flexibility it's okay to not win every day but as long as you show up and give the best of what you've got Um, I think that's when I really started to actually, you know, take on a healthier approach to competing. So when you got to CrossFit, you were like, what do you think it was? Was it the community? Was it just that there was a different mindset around it? Because I'm sure it's like night and day with gymnastics and CrossFit as far as like the world around it. I think I changed my thought process from, oh, I have to be in in the gym to be able to achieve this to, I get to come to the gym. This is my bonus rounds of sport. I'm going to make the most of it. And I think letting go of the daily expectation and just going in because I want to really change the way I was able to just 
be happy with the process. So what did CrossFit do for you? You know, you had this great career in gymnastics. Did you ever think that you would be competing at the level that you're at with CrossFit? Oh, heck no. <laughs> no. <laughs> when, I, when I actually originally started CrossFit, um, the coaches were like, oh, you know, you're actually all right. I'm like, no, no, no. I'll just stick to the bar and 65 pounds max, nothing more. I'm not going to get injured. I don't want to compete. I've had enough of competing. I just want to, you know, I want to look lean. I want to look like I'm athletic. And um, I never actually wanted to compete at all. And then it wasn't until someone said to me that I probably couldn't make a team that I was like, oh, I don't like that doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> and that, You're like, that's the error. You said I couldn't do it. <laughs> that's exactly it. And when that, um, I guess when that was said to me, I was like, okay, well, let's just see what we can do. And I asked for a chance to trial for the team and ended up doing all right. So that's kind of how I evolved into competing. Okay, so you've got, you are obviously at the professional elite level in CrossFit, but, you know, when you're kind of looking back, because I imagine when you're a professional athlete, pretty much your entire life, the fear of losing that is pretty scary. So did you ever have that moment going from gymnastics to like figuring out what you wanted to do next, feeling a little lost? Absolutely. Retirement from anything you've been doing for so many years is like a grieving process. And then it's trying to figure out how do I transition into the next phase. So I'm quite lucky in the fact that I've done it once already. So me doing it now, I'm also in the phase of where I might have to, I'm looking at transitioning out. Mm-hmm. I've at least put steps in place to kind of mentally deal with it. And now I know that I don't always, I don't actually retire. I just evolve into something else. Yeah. Uh, I found it interesting because I heard that you also tried like distance running for a while and Claire, my co-host is like, hates running. I've done distance running. It like I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those people that like doesn't mind it, but I'm also very tall and I feel like taller okay. people like can deal with running a little bit better. Claire's a little bit shorter and she's like, I don't understand why people run, but I found that interesting. Cause it's like, it's almost like this thing of, well, I, so many people love it. I guess I should try that. You know, is that like the thing that you kind of tried for a while? (laughs) Um, No, actually, it was the reason why I went into distance running was after I had um, bilateral pulmonary embolism, the way that I tried to get fit was just by walking. And then from walking evolved to the first 5K, the first 5K just evolved to 10K. And it was actually just a recovery process for me. And that's why I just kept going with it. And then I got bored. Yeah, you were like, I need to do something else, something that stimulates me a little bit more. Um, Are you that type of person that likes to have a lot of different things going all at once? You've got a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak. Um, I I tend to have a lot going at once, but I try to focus on like a select few things. I don't believe you can give the best of yourself to everything you've got Mm -hmm. to dedicate your energy to. And so, yeah, that's what I try to do. Just distribute where I think is most going to give me the best bang for buck. Yeah. Okay. Um, the reason I asked that too, is I just think so much about all the pressures that you must be met with in terms of performing and dealing with what you need to deal with at home and you have a job that I think sometimes there's that hustle culture that we talk about a lot too, of just the pressure to have to do it all. I don't think that we can do it all very well. I think it's a fallacy. And so to hear you say like, yeah, I actually pick a few things and just focus on that is refreshing to hear you have to if you burn yourself ragged you can't give your best self to anything something's gonna give 
I mean, this year is a prime example, the CrossFit Games. I couldn't travel. Something had to give. I had to focus on my work. With lockdown, the pressures of my job went up and it needed my time and energy. And so I had to give that my focus. Plus, not being able to get back into the country was an issue. Something had to give. And it, although it seems like a sacrifice, you know, it really isn't. It's just life. <laughs> Yeah, it's just life. And I think we've all kind of been through that in the past year and a half of like how we have to adapt and evolve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you making that decision, because you're like, I have to, you know, you're not going to be able to travel. So talk a little bit about what is the what is going to go into that decision if you are going to retire from CrossFit? What are you weighing about that? Yeah, so I have been trying to retire for the past three years. (laughs) that's the honest truth isn't that how it always goes with professional athletes it's like (laughs) just one more year just one more year yeah it it hasn't even been a one more year thing it's always been I train and I train to a level of where I just try to challenge myself daily and that happens to be enough to put me in front of put me on the field you're like I'm just too good I'm just no (laughs) but like truly I mean you're just like we're just I'm just gonna train and you just happen to be so good but yeah that makes total sense it's just the mentality of um, you continue to develop in some way. So just like I do with my life goals, um, I pick one thing to work on in the gym the past year, which was I supposedly retired again. My one goal was to try and just get stronger in my legs. And I've never, ever been able to PR in competition. And I thought, oh, it'd be cool to be able to just, you know, not be afraid to try to get a PR in competition. And this year I managed to PR at every step of the way oh, and make amazing. it through to each stage. So I think putting that focus on that one thing, mm-hmm. it just kept me pushing. It just yeah. kept the mind ticking. And that was enough to like see some pretty epic moments for me this year. Yeah, that's so that's incredible. Can you give an example of like one, like how small are we talking? Are you talking about really, really specific goals? For my strength goals, it was literally my strength goals were to not be afraid to pick up a bar. I don't know. Many people may have seen me at CrossFit Games. I'm pretty weak. I think I made lifted only the first deadlift bar back in 2016 and couldn't lift the second. That scared me. Like the embarrassment of coming last at a strength ward scared me. And I didn't want that feeling. I, that's kind of why I took up weightlifting too, actually. So that was my goal, just to not be afraid to take on a weight that I thought I couldn't do. And this year during the quarterfinals, uh, I managed to PR my 4RM front squat by like seven or eight kilos. And that was purely the daily diligence of pushing myself on that one skill, the squats, the legs, all the accessories, pushing myself on that thing, even though as boring as hell as it is, it paid off when it mattered. And I got to experience the joy of PRing in competition. And Which then is Torium so Pro. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. I've never PR'd in competition. So Torium Pro, I managed to hit uh, a P- lifetime PB clean and jerk. And I, even though there was another bar after it, I was quite realistic. I didn't think I could get the next bar, but um, I celebrated because that was such a momentous occasion for me. So great. Yeah. And then you get all the fun photos of you just being like, yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> but that's just wearing your heart on the sleeve. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that you're, you're walking out. First of all, I just think it's, I, I don't know if I could ever do that, just the nerves, but you've had that practice of competition and being in front of people. I mean, I just have to say, watching, you know, for the, for example, the Olympic gymnasts, all I can think of is like, how do you focus when there's people around you and you have to just balance on that tiny little bar? The orange beam, yeah. And there's people around you yelling for you. 
I mean, how do you focus? How do you focus? Like, <laughs> how do yeah. you not get distracted? I mean, tr- do you truly just like, it's, you're just so like zoned in that you just don't you don't hear or see people. I mean, it's just astounding to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it is actually a skill you learn pretty early on and the practice is the skill and practice of being able to just churn everything out and just focus on what you're doing and what you can control. When you can zero in on what you can control, you don't hear external factors. Yeah. Yeah, but like in the CrossFit Games competitions, don't you want to hear people yelling for you and cheering you on? It's like kind of the opposite. <laughs> a little bit. You still have to focus on your top at hand. You run your own race, stay in your own lane. And when you need to pull from the energy of the crowd, then you can open up your focus realm, your bubble. But when you're focusing on your job, you stay in your bubble. When you need motivation, you need that little oomph. That's when you open it up and you draw from your external factors. Mm-hmm. You train you train the mind to be able to do what you want to do on command. When you need the help, then you draw on it. I love watching you when you're, you know, when everyone's like on the floor, I always think like, what is everyone thinking? Like, what is going yeah. through your mind right now? And it just takes, I feel like the audience watches and feels, almost feels maybe what you're feeling because it's just so intense and so exciting. So, okay, so you're you're taking into consideration possibly retiring, um, mm-hmm. but you're really just going to keep training. Yeah. That's the plan. Always. And what would be a deciding factor is that you're just like, my body's breaking down or you just don't make it. Like you're going to keep going until you just don't make it to the games. <laughs> um, I think I think it's more so the body, the body, and um, just life. If there's other things happening that need to take priority, then they need that needs to come first. But at the moment, I do have a goal to take the platform again and do a weightlifting comp, just to actually put my PR on a platform and make it count. Yes, yes, that's, that's something to work towards, and um. It's also, again, something just to keep the mind ticking, the progress mindset, you know, just keep going at something. But retirement, if it's dictated by the body. I have some pretty chronic issues, which a lot of people don't know, but it's stuff that I work on in the background. And believe it or not, if I don't train, if I don't keep my musculature as strong as it is, I can't function. So you have to keep that, even though you're working through chronic issues, you have to stay as strong as you are. Or just like near it in order yeah. to keep all of that at bay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So hip and back issues, if you don't keep those muscles strong, it's going to lead down a pretty, you know, fast track of deterioration. Right, right. And I mean, at your level, the recovery must be so like just as hard as the training because you train so hard. And you have to really put time into that recovery too. Are you good? I mean, I know a lot of people have a hard time like resting, but please tell me you prioritize that too. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I was the same. I um, I think it was my first two years of CrossFit. I slept maybe four or five hours every night. Definitely not enough. That's definitely why I got injured. Now, however, I understand the importance of sleep and even more so the importance of quality over quantity. So that's definitely been the shift. I definitely spend more money on recovery than I do my actual gym gear now. That's definitely true. That happens, but, yeah. But it is important for longevity. And I do want to keep doing this. So I will keep investing in recovery. So let's talk a little bit about people that you have really been lifted up by over the years. Um, mm-hmm. Who are the people that you are closest to that have really encouraged you through this journey or even mentors that you rely on and lean on? 
to get you to where you are at this point? Um, yeah, I've had, I've been very fortunate. When I first started CrossFit, I was at a very competitive CrossFit gym. I came in contact with Chad McKay and then my coach at the time, Adam Perry, and then also was Luke Starr. And he's my current coach now, still to this day. And just that environment and those being around those people and their nature to just try to be the best regardless and continually improve, continue to upskill. That's something that I've really taken away from them. And I think that's why I'm still going in this game today and why I'll probably continue on in probably another capacity. But to be quite honest, I'm actually quite inspired by my family. <laughs> they push me beyond places that I uh, never thought I could ever go. They're so encouraging. My partner, Lima, if you've ever met Lima, he's an absolute boss. Um, a lot of what I do is possible because he not just encourages me, but he doesn't allow me to slack off whenever I'm struggling. I do struggle and it happens regularly, but he reminds me. Sometimes you need that to keep you moving forward. But um, just my family, Lima, they remind me that uh, to just to keep doing better and make the best with what you've got. Life is short just to keep moving forward. But yeah. I, do have a, I do have a current person that's my absolute favourite um, that I'm trying to emulate at the moment, and that is James Lawrence, Iron Cowboy. I don't know if you've heard of him. If you yeah. Ever- him he's an absolute boss he's just inspiring everyone leading from the front encouraging everyone to seek out something hard and just find that feeling of empowerment his example for me at the moment is what's really keeping me moving forward and realize making me realize I can evolve into something beyond just an athlete and your partner is the one that told you to walk back into that CrossFit gym so do you give him a lot of credit for your your amazing CrossFit career (laughs) Absolutely. If you, he's he's the opposite. He's the social crossfitter. He goes there for the um, the banter and the beers afterwards. I love it. That's great. Most of us do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's the contrast to me, but you know, um, he really is the driving force behind what we do. And you talked about your family too. I, I mm. always think about family dynamics. I think that's the therapist in me too. Of just what is it about? Like, is your whole family just driven? Where do you get that like carrot and then you're just going to go for it? Because that's just not something you, I guess sometimes you have it, but I feel like there's a lot of influence in your family too of like how you get that drive. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. Um, So my family grew up in Fiji, uh, very, very humble beginnings. And they've all migrated. Some some are in America. My mom moved to New Zealand. They're all well-educated. They came from pretty much nothing, yet found a way to make something, and they continue to make something. And I think that's where I get my drive to just be grateful for what I've got, but also try to keep moving forward. They needed, the only way they could move forward was to just make it happen, (laughs) to act, to find a way. And I think for me, that whole thing of finding a way, regardless of circumstance, is something that's um, benefited me throughout my whole sporting career. And I like what you've talked about before on a couple other podcasts as well. But I really wanted to know, because I think it'll be, it's just inspiring to hear people talk about goals. I think a lot of us, Mm -hmm. and especially listeners, we go through ups and downs with goals, or we'll set a goal, it'll fall off the radar, or perhaps it's a New Year's resolution. And you know how those go. Yeah. What is your approach, like your personal approach, or maybe things that you've picked up over your lifetime that have been like, this has really worked for me and this is how I apply it. And perhaps it'll be something that, you know, inspires someone else. But 
I just, I feel like you have such a hone in on the goals that you do. And I'm curious to know like what your process is around that. Yeah. So for me, it's having a goal. I actually physically write it down and I put it somewhere. You know, a lot of people say you put it somewhere where you can see it. I don't necessarily put it where somewhere I can see it. I put it somewhere away, but I put a daily visual somewhere. And it's not a daily visual about the goal. It's a daily visual about a habit that needs to happen to make that goal happen. Um, I think I started up a tape ball a while ago and my goal was to make the CrossFit Games. I've shelved that. How was I going to make the CrossFit Games? That was to train every day. So every day I would put the tape from my fingers into a ball. And that was a visual representation of me putting in work daily. And as that ball grew bigger and bigger and bigger, it just reminded me that I am working, I am improving, and I'm going to get there. And I ended up getting there. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Do you still have it? I don't have it. There's a picture, some, there's a picture somewhere. It was, it was pretty gross. I was going to say, you're probably like, that's gross. But yeah. um, that's amazing. And I really hope you have a picture somewhere. We should post that. So you don't necessarily have to have the goal. And I'm kind of like you, where I don't need to have the goal right in front of my face. But yeah. I like that you're like, you have a physical representation of working towards that goal. Um, do you have categories of goals or like, how do you pick your goals? How do you know, like, this is what I want to do next? Like, where do you get your assuredness from? <laughs> My assuredness? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I it's mean, does you- it just like float in your mind and you're like, that's what I want to do next? Like, do you just have that clarity? And I think I'm just mainly asking that cause I'm envious. Cause I just, am like, <laughs> I like to do a lot of things. <laughs> No, no, I have. I don't often have that clarity. However, I do believe in just writing everything down. Oh, awesome. She's holding up a cute little notebook. This is brainstorm on the front. Yeah. Yeah. So I carry a book around me and I just write whatever thoughts come into my mind. And then usually when it's time to set a goal or time to where I'm feeling a bit stale, I look at the notebook and I look at ideas that I've written down and then I just evaluate and see, oh, what will help? What will enrich my life next? And that's how I choose the next goal. It's what's going to make my life better. How, what is going to keep moving me forward. And that's usually how I pick the next goal. And then it goes into the, how am I going to track the habits in order to get that goal? Yes. Okay. So do you mind sharing if you can, are there any things that you're working on currently? That's like the next thing. Um, yeah. So I actually have a career goal, which I'm working towards. And a lot of that is um, self-education and working. And I just have a calendar of where I want to achieve things by when, And it's small habit things to be able to move to the next level in my job. So at the moment, I'm just working through ticking those off each month. We'll see where it gets me. (laughs) But the same thing happens with my um, weightlifting goals. Again, training, just train every day. Well, not every day, but it's like by training, I mean recovery is also training. (laughs) Um, Just putting an X on the calendar every single day so I know that I've done that habit and I'm continuously just showing up. And then for the coaching realm in which I'm trying to transition out, of being an athlete, um, I have put things in place uh, to try and get my own like platform up and running. And that's a task in its own. So I can't dedicate as much time to that at the moment with my current job, but I do try to take something off daily. For coaching, like a coaching platform. So then you yeah. would go on to coach other people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So I, current, I currently um, assist with programming for other programs, but nothing of my own. So I'd love to be able to do something on my own. Yeah, that would be amazing. I think you would be really good at that. And I've seen CrossFit, I've been doing it for a long time, maybe 12 years. And awesome. 
Yeah, my power shoulders are a little bit genetic, but the muscles are from CrossFit. <laughs> I always joke that like my, my, I have very broad shoulders and everyone's like, how do you get? I'm like, they're genetic. I just have broad shoulders, my dad. But, you know, I've seen CrossFit have a lot of evolution. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like they're doing with the changes that have occurred in the past year and a half, two years with the new CEO. And there was a lot of bumpiness with needing to make sure, or at least me as a consumer, as an outsider, that we were being an inclusive, that CrossFit was being inclusive. Is there anything else you would add to what they're already doing to really make sure that is happening? Or do you feel like it's rolling? You know, they've they've been making a lot of changes. And like anything, um, significant changes take time. So I believe they've got good minds in there to try and think of everything. And as long as they keep involving the community and actually hearing what people are needing or wanting to see, and trying to involve that in whatever they come up with. I think that's moving in the right direction. I don't really have any suggestions. I know that if I do, however, I do contact my um, country lead. Yeah. Because they're so responsive and that's the best channel to go through. If you go through your country lead, they actually do filter it upwards. Don't really have too much to say on yeah, that. Yeah, no, but I think it's just, I was kind of watching. I had, I had thoughts and feelings around it, but I think it was just more of really hoping that movement started to happen. It's also a global issue. And I think that that being a part of such a big community, I think we're kind of looking at that as a representation of how we're addressing change too. So anyway, yeah, that's a very, it's a, a much larger topic, but for a oh, different day. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, I'll wrap up a little bit with just, you know, what are the things that you're kind of hoping for, for yourself in like maybe the next five to 10 years, you want your platform with coaching, business, maybe retiring with a healthy body. Is there anything else you're kind of like looking forward towards? Um, Everything, you know, the next five to 10 years quite unknown. And I I do find that kind of exciting because it means that you can create something. Uh, Definitely would love to hopefully one day have a family, of course. Uh, We currently live in Sydney, Australia. My partner and I are currently split due to um, the lockdowns that have happened. So I'm in New Zealand. He's in Sydney. We're hoping we'll be able to come together. Yeah. When is that? When is, what is the lockdown situation where you are currently? Um, I'm in Auckland, which means it's level four lockdown. We pretty much can't do anything other than go to the supermarket. And you're just training at home and doing everything at home. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Doing everything at home. Um, Sydney is the current same as well. They, they have a little bit more freedom, but there's no travel happening. And it doesn't look like travel is going to happen anytime soon. So can't really start a family for in a different country. Yeah logistics you know (laughs) yeah it's kind of difficult oh gosh yeah well hopefully that I mean I just hope I hope that we can as a world come together to make this all a little bit better because I think that it's not just a an easy fix but yeah that's so no it's just just involves a lot of flexibility and yep be okay with the way things are now but no it's temporary things will change things will change yeah you have such a positive mindset around that too i think that that is really helpful and i know that that is something that you that you probably just have ingrained in your personality oh i thought of one more question that i do want to ask you too though what is something maybe your younger self would be really surprised Mm -hmm. about you now if like she had a crystal ball and was like looking at you now, it'd be like, whoa, I never thought that she'd be doing that. Ooh, that's a good 
question. I grew up very, very shy. I still am quite timid and shy. However, whenever there's opportunities to talk in public or, you know, I try to take that on. Something after having that health scare taught me is um, every opportunity that comes by, you know, try to say yes. It's there to teach you a lesson. And the fact that I'm brave enough to take that on, my younger self would be very, very surprised. That's really interesting that you're so shy. How do you get on a a competition floor? Is it just that you're just, you practice so much? I mean, I, that astounds me when people say that they're kind of shy, but is it more just around Mm -hmm. public speaking and people? Because you can get on a competition floor and just kill it. (laughs) It's like, that doesn't bother you. (laughs) No, I always tend to second guess myself. And the competition floor is you're actually in control of what you do. So I find that's a little bit more easy to deal with. than There's so many people. Mm. There's so many people. I guess it's it's like, but I get it. Like you mastered that skill. You have been in that situation so many times that you're just like, that's nothing. But the shy piece is that's interesting. A lot of people, they actually say the same thing. They're like, you were so timid when we first met you. I'm still a little bit shy, but at least now I, I give less fudges about people's opinions and I tend to just open up a bit more. Oh yeah. That's so great. Do you worry about what other people think about you? Oh, always. We always yeah. have a little bit of insecurity, but I guess that's when you just try to let it go. It's hard. It's not easy. It's but just try to let it go because it's stealing the joy from your everyday life. It is. Yeah. I was, I, when I'm counseling clients, I always talk about this example and I, I, I need to just like get the study because I always forget to like cite the study and know exactly <laughs> which one it is. But there was a study done at some point, basically talking about how other people don't think about you more than eight seconds. And then they go back to thinking about themselves. So it's really funny how we care so much about what other people think about us. But about really, eight seconds. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I don't quote me on the number, but it's a okay. very small number. It's like, it's maybe eight, maybe 10, but very small amount of time that people are actually thinking about us. And then they go back to thinking about themselves. And so I always use that example. I mean, but we all do it. We all do yeah. it. It's just human nature to be like, we need to know where we stand in the pack of life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that was definitely one of the best pieces of advice. One of my um, former mentors actually taught me was just to give less fudges. Um, You can always ask. You never, you don't get if you don't ask and then try better to fly better to fail than not try at all. Simple pieces of advice to live by. It's simple. It's beautiful. And we'll end on that. And then I just am so grateful for your time today. And I love that we are in two different days recording this. I'm on Saturday, yeah. you're on Sunday. That will never not be cool. And um, <laughs> listeners, you can find us on girlsgonewadpodcast.com. We are on Instagram, Claire underscore, and I will post all the links on our show notes where you can find Alethea and everything about her. If you don't follow her already, you can follow her. She posts amazing inspiring workout videos on her Instagram. Um, And thank you again so much for your time. And I hope that you get to be with your partner soon in person. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for having me and stay safe. Take care.